Well, good morning. I'm afraid my voice might be going in the same direction as Mike, so this could be a very interesting second service. It occurred to me as we were lighting the, um, the tea lights to remind us of those who have gone before us that sitting behind the tea lights um, on a Sunday when I wasn't here, but with Julie planned this, um, this um, act, prayerful act of the figures that you see behind the tea lights, which symbolize our hopes for the world. And it just occurs to me, uh, in the way my mind works, to think of, well, how did the patriarchs see the world? Uh, and what were their hopes for it? And um, that's probably another talk in itself, so I'll just unfairly leave that one with you. But it just occurred to me as I looked at the lights and, and um, the figures. We finished um, exploring our uh, um, series from Ephesians. Linda wrapped it up for us the week before last. And, and, over the next, um, um, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at our Advent series following um, the structure given to us by the Advent Reef. But over the last few months, as, as I've said, we've been following this, this study through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And through the pages of that, of that letter, we've been discovering that as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are chosen, we are saved, we are loved, and we are gifted. And that as we let this reality of being chosen, saved, loved, and gifted get an ever stronger grip on our life, and our identity, um, our character becomes ever more intertwined with the character of God, both in the behaviours we exhibit towards each other and, and also in the renewal of our minds, the way we think and approach things. And the reality of this identity in Christ that Ephesians speaks of couldn't be more important as we enter Advent, a time of reflecting on our life and our identity in Jesus Christ. Do you know that there were thousands upon thousands of people who followed Jesus? If you read the gospel accounts, like the feeding of the 5,000, and of course, as I've said in the past, the feeding of the 5,000 was likely to be 5,000 men, plus then additional uh, women and children. So thousands upon thousands of people followed Jesus, heard his teachings, witnessed the miracles, and ultimately saw his death on the cross. But being a follower might be stimulating, even entertaining, but it's not the life transformation that Paul has been teaching us about as a people who are chosen, saved, loved, and gifted. What Paul is trying to teach us about is not being a follower, but being a disciple. And in Jesus' time, a disciple was someone who sat at their rabbi's feet And the intent of the disciple was to grow into the likeness and stature of their rabbi. In other words, to become ever more like their rabbi. And for me, that's a wonderful starting point, a wonderful image um, that points us into Advent. That we are invited to sit at Jesus' feet, learning from him, waiting for him, seeking to become ever more like Jesus to grow into the character of Christ. Abram was someone who was not simply a follower, but a person whose identity and character were increasingly found in his form by his faith in God. 
In fact, Abram's faith, which we'll look at in a few moments, was mentioned repeatedly by Luke in Acts and by Paul in his letter to the Galatians. So, so Abram's faith and, and the reputation of Abram as a man of faith survived not just the opening books of the Bible, but all the way forward into, into New Testament times as well. This was a man who was known as a disciple, as someone defined by his faith. And we've already been challenged this morning by Mike to reflect on those who have helped us on our journey to this point. People who have informed our own faith, who have helped nurture us in it and helped it um, grow into fresh life within us. So this morning we are in Genesis chapter 12, which is a passage which marks a turning point in the book of Genesis. This passage sets out God's call on Abraham's life, and it's a really significant call. The Lord says to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household into the land that I will show you. Have you noticed in this verse the cost of that call God makes on Abraham? Called to leave his country, his community, his extended family, his father's household, all the usual sources of our identity, where we live, who we relate to, the groups that we're a part of, were to be laid aside for Abraham is called to leave his homeland to respond to God's call. And we read a lot, especially in the opening books um, of the Old Testament, about sacrificial offerings to God of, of grain and, and animal sacrifices. But there's a dimension to sacrifice in the Old Testament which Abraham, uh, Abram epitomizes. And that sacrifice is of our ambitions, our agendas and our aspirations if they don't connect with God's call on our lives. And we see this here with Abram, called to leave um, behind so much. And we see it later on again with Abram in chapter 2 of Genesis, where Abram is called to go um, to Moriah and sacrifice his son Isaac. There's a costly call on Abram's life. There's a sacrifice involved. And then Jesus in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 8, um, a teacher of the law and another disciple come to Jesus um, and, and they ask him um, about what it, what it is to follow him. And Jesus responds that foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Where would, Abraham, where would Abram sleep? Where would he find a new place to call home? What outside the known structure of family life and the people he was used to relating to and having around would, would, would shape his life and form his identity in this new call that God is placing on his life? And there's an important detail which we could very easily miss in this passage. At the point where God called Abram to leave his country, his community and his family, he did not know where he was going, except that he was being called out of the land of Haran. And this can be the most unsettling place in our discipleship. And during seasons of reflection like Advent, it can be a reality which we need to grapple with and wrestle with. 
um, that God calls us to something that might reshape our lives in either a marginal or a profound way, but we might not have a full understanding of what it is um, that God is calling us um, into. Let's just unpack that point just a little bit more. We know from the scriptures that that God has a plan for our lives. I shared that um, well-known verse from Jeremiah a couple of weeks back. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that scripture resonates, doesn't it, with what um, God says to Abram, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So we have this biblical assurance and example that God has plans for our lives but the wrestling part for us is discovering what the call is and what it looks like. But let's take encouragement that Abraham, one of the great fathers of the faith, was called by God into something which at the time of God's call was uncertain. Abraham models the life of a radical disciple, willing to follow God even when that call is costly, even when that call involves surrendering control of our own plans to God so that we might be used for his purposes even when those purposes, as I've said, are known only to God and not to us. I wonder if in this morning's passage you've picked up on how many times the verb to bless is used. I make it five times, but I'm I'm open to correction. Um, And that's actually quite an important point for us to note. It's part of the reason why this passage is such a dramatic turning point in this book of Genesis. Because up to now, the storyline has been of fall and flood as God's wonderful creation, intentionally created by God to be a paradise for for mankind to live in, is affected by disobedience and brokenness. But God has brought the flood and he's brought restoration after the flood. And now at this turning point in, in this book of Genesis, God is seeking to use Abraham in a way which brings blessing to all people. Part of God's work of restoration in our time is using us to bless others as a people who have known God's blessing ourselves. And this cycle of blessing um, is repeated down the lines of history from from the passage that we're just looking at now uh, through to our own time. Abraham received God's call and promise and went from Haran to Canaan, then to the hills east of Bethel and then to the Negev and beyond. And Abraham did this on the back of a promise that God would bless him. And in each place he visited, Abraham responded to God's blessing by building an altar to God. And the exciting thing for us as we enter this season of Advent is that there have been times and moments over our last year where we have celebrated um, a call God has on a member of our church's life. And 
the even more exciting thing is that uh, above the, the major um, sending outs that we've done or, or calls that we've responded to, there's also been the, the unknowns, um, people who have felt called by God to do things in a small way, which has never become known um, by the whole church family, but has been there as people have lived out their discipleship over the past year. And so, you know, We need to recognize over this season of Advent that God has a call on all our lives. It might not be as long distance as Abraham's call to go journeying over nations, building altars and establishing God's kingdom. Um, But it might well be that in our own routine lives, we are called to search out those opportunities and encounters which allow us to speak words of encouragement into lives which are struggling which allow random acts of kindness to give hope and love to people who just need a touch of love in their lives. Um, The way in which a chance or fleeting comment from a friend or a family member might bring a clearer sense of where we are called to be. Abraham's call was costly. It involved sacrifice and it involved wrestling with uncertainty. And so many times in our lives we begin to doubt um, that, that God has a call on our lives. But go back to the story of Abraham at the start of this Advent season and note that God didn't unpack for Abraham the entire journey that he was to go on. And recognize the potential in the minutiae of our daily existence, in the people we encounter and the situations we face, that there are opportunities to live out God's calling and purpose that we never anticipated. If only we will have the obedience of the patriarchs, people like Abraham, to respond faithfully to that calling. Amen.